Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope podcast. Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. In today's episode, the pastor is going to lead us uh, towards understanding of God's Word and God's will for our life. Uh, pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Thank you, Steve. I am so glad to be here again with you for this podcast. I really do enjoy this uh, venue of conversation it's a lot of fun. and communication. Yeah. Uh, we pray that uh, everybody who's listening, whether whatever you're doing, whether you're working or um, maybe you're working out or you're at, at your place of employment or just kind of hanging out, whatever, I hope that you're being blessed by this. Yeah. Uh, I want to share something with you that's close to my heart in that I have a an old sermon. Recently, Steve, I have been going back through old sermons of mine sure. um, that I have... You know, back I'm talking about 13, 15, almost mm. 20 years ago, and just repurposing them and looking through that and and kind of bringing them back because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So <laughs> boy, that's true. Why try to reinvent the wheel sure. on some things when I can still get inspiration from? Well, and they're still relevant topics because right. sin sin still exists and the Lord has tarried. Yeah, not that I want to repeat myself, but you know the context. And the time that I get a sermon, for those of you that are ministers out there, you understand that you know it becomes a real thing, and it mm-hmm. becomes a birthing process yes. for sermons. However, this, what I want to talk about tonight, is or today, is not my original thought. In fact, this thought was preached by probably one of the greatest men of God that ever walked in shoe leather, by my standards. His name was Robert Bayer. And over the last two weeks, he has passed from this life into eternity. And he was known as the walking Bible. Um, he could quote scriptures. I mean, he wouldn't just quote one. He would quote chapters oh, wow. and whole books. And that's how you want it in your heart, though, right? <laughs> yeah, so when he would evangelize in the 50s and the 60s especially, but he did all the way through up into the 80s and, and a little bit of the 90s. I mean, he was just... Was great. he localized? I mean, was... No, he was. Um, he pastored here in Indiana at one point, I think in Lafayette, okay. pastored in Florida, and uh, I think he's from Texas, if I'm not mistaken. So was he one who traveled and... Yeah, he was an okay. evangelist, yeah. yes. And he was just an amazing, just amazing man. And he was very strong. Uh, look him up, by the way, uh, listener. Uh, you should be able to pull up some of his sermons. And he was an, an incredible preacher. Did you ever have a chance to meet him personally? Oh, yes. This Did is you? why. Yes. In fact, when he came to the church that I was at attending when I was in uh, my late teens, early 20s, <clears throat> he had came by. And of course, I was trying, you know, I've felt the call of God in my life and I would sit into the front row. And he just, you know, I think if you know the guy and those of you that are listening who knew him know that he would call you out and make you part of the sermon. <laughs> So he did that with me constantly, and many people said, oh, you just love to be up in front, and I'm yeah. like, no, I, I want to receive something. Sure, and, sure. And he came to me uh, towards one of his last revivals many years ago and encouraged a young man. He didn't have to do that, and he just said, you know, there's something about you, and I, this is not about me. This is about sure. this great man, okay? Yeah. 
and that he said, there's something about you that I do believe you have a call of God in your life and you need to continue to pursue it. He goes, I did everything I can to, to in other words, let me use my word, punk, him, punk me. And I just kept coming. He says, that's the, the idea that you need to have. And he said a lot of other things. Well, but sometimes we need that confirmation, though, because we're unsure. Absolutely. Right? And he did that for me. Yeah, that's that's and, awesome. And I'm very thankful. And when he passed, I have to tell you, I did shed a tear. Sure. And I haven't talked to him in 20 years. But he's just, what a wonderful man. Robert Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R, The Walking Bible. Look him up. I promise you on YouTube or or any of these preaching uh, apps, I promise you, you're going to hear he is an apostolic preacher through and through, and what a legacy he leaves. So I want to kind of share with you, I preached his message. (laughs) uh, Thank you, Pastor (laughs) Bear. But I surely didn't preach it as good as he did. But I just want to bring a little bit of what he preached, his text, and then give uh, our listener, the context of it. And the title of the message that he preached that I stole from myself that I'm giving back to him, <laughs> I'm going to share with you four things in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church. In the church, you yes, say. Yes, in the church. You, interesting. I'm intrigued already. Yes, good. Because I, I try to stay away from <laughs> Hell, and that's why I'm in the yeah, church. I thought so. that was a bad place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Four things in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church. The context of his uh, preaching was found in Luke chapter 16, 23 through 31. And I'd like to read that for those of you that don't have a Bible sitting right in front of you. It says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried... And he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and that thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and his prophets, let him hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. When you would read that text, you will find the four things in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church. I I just, before we go into those... I just want to reiterate that hell is created for the wicked. Yes. It was not meant for humanity. However, mankind has made sure <laughs> to book his ticket to hell when he refuses to live according to the word of God and antithetical to the word of God and the preaching of truth. Well, and hell doesn't have a capacity limit either. So don't, exactly don't assume right. that there's not a place for you if you're not living right. That's right. And we know this because Matthew... 25 and 41 tells about the end result of the wicked. It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, mm. into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Depart 
from me. David wrote in Psalms 9 and 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So by the definition of these two scriptures, we can agree that, number one, as I said, hell was not constructed only for the, well, it was constructed for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for mankind. The second thing is that we know that only the wicked are going to go to hell. So be clear that it doesn't say sinners. Because we're all. (laughs) Okay, so now you see what I'm talking about. We're all sinners while we're on this life, and we have the opportunity to be saved from our sin. And then when we get into this next iteration of of who we are in this next life, that determines whether we're wicked or whether we're redeemed by how much we dealt with our sin. Sure. Um, so that I can explain the distinction of sin and, and, and all of that. Of course, we love the sinner. God loves the sinner, hate the sin, and that means on every level. And my goodness, right now in our culture, Steve, we've, I mean, sin is very rampant. It's very open. Satan is very clear. He's not even hiding anymore. No, so we can easily identify both out and front sin, and even we know the Bible even talks about the sin that we try to keep hidden. Well, and they're trying to normalize it. It's almost where normalize. if you mm-hmm. don't embrace it, mm-hmm. then you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what the devil does. Turns and s- it around. Right, exactly right. And so I want to make the, the distinction here so if anybody would question what I'm trying to say, there is a distinction between the wicked and the sinner. God doesn't see the sinner as wicked until that sinner turns away from God. Mm. So there's the difference. Yes. Doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. As long as you know you have the opportunity to avoid hell. And we need to be clear, Steve, in, in the church, we need to be clear on our application of truth. We need to make sure that we are intolerant of sin in our own lives and others. Not judgmentally, but we need to identify what sin is. And we need to, more importantly, know that God's intolerance is not towards the sinner, but to their sin. That's why Jesus came, to seek and to save save. all that that was lost. So the end result to life of sin, to a life of sin, Without God is hell. Hell is going to be and is a place of torments, a place where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And it's a real place, right? I mean, I hear that, that people think it's uh, a metaphor. Yes. I mean, it's it's an actual place. Yes, heaven is real and hell is real. Well, how do you know? Well, I believe... The Word of God, yes. and it says that. And I do not, I do not want to be on the highway to hell where all my friends will be. I don't. I, that's that's ignorant. Yes, and I don't even want to address all that. It's yeah. it will be also though. Hell will be a place of remembrance. I believe that we'll be reminded of the lost opportunity that we'll never feel God again, eternally. You think that's part of the torment? Absolutely. The, the replaying of all the times you had, every yes. missed opportunity. Yes. Because remember, we're going to be judged for what we did and for what we didn't do. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Ouch. So play. it's a place where the presence of God is forever permanently absent. Hmm. It's a place where the Bible outlines that you'll die a thousand deaths and not even begin eternity. 
It's a place of darkness. It'll be a smell of ash and the consummation of fire that will overwhelm our senses. The deafening roar of a furnace. It all will be complete eternally. So for the question for everybody today is, who wants to go to hell? Hopefully no one no. wants to go to hell. But after the Bible's description, when we see that what hell is, we should all align to do whatever we can to not go to that place. But in the title of what we said, Four Things in Hell That Should Be in Every Pentecostal Church, there's a message. That text has a message, and it's an admonishment. It's a warning. It's a message. It's a, it's a, it's a shake-awake kind of message. It's from hell, it feels like, but it's addressed <laughs> to the church. Sure. So I believe the Bible doesn't record idle stories. I believe the Bible is written in a didactic fashion. It's very clear. It doesn't just waste words. And so when we can read what we just read, what it means, what's all that context, what's it talking about, I believe that we can take and apply what happened in that set of scriptures that we can apply. What is that message that hell is telling us? Sure. These four things in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church. The context, let me set the table real quick. Um, the young ruler wanted to give a message to not only Lazarus, but he wanted to tell the world and his family in the living that hell was not a place that you want to come to. What would cause this young ruler, this doomed soul, to cry out? Some would say, well, it was probably the torment, what he was going through. But I believe it was the, the young ruler was reminded every second, as we just said, what he could have had sure. in his life. Lost. But we're not. Yeah but now lost. And so, therefore, there were these things that he was probably seeing. Again, dramatically preaching. Brother Bear was delivering this. And, uh, of course, I've put a lot of my myself, too, but the context and the message is all from Brother Bear. He felt like God had given this to him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just sharing with you because I feel it in my, my spirit that it is right the four things. Let me give you the first thing. Okay. The first thing in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church. Number one, there should be weeping. Verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. There are more examples in the word that God responding to his people when they wept and they cried out to him than any other way. They screamed, they yelled. They would be in a crowd and pressed him, but there was really no other way, and you can read it for yourself in the Bible, that God responded to other, greater than when somebody wept and cried sure. out for him. When they were so moved uh, and they wept for him, God was so moved. When Israel moved away from what they were admonished to do in serving the one true God, and they wouldn't enemies threatened and captivity came we know that's the old testament oh yeah but when god's people cried out the bible says every time he heard them no one no one when they're in sincere and crying out to god especially in repentance and forgiveness yes. and, and wanting his spirit the holy ghost no one no one is moved more by your situation than you so in other words, no one will cry out for our family or our church or our situation than you. Yeah. So we need to learn as the church, we need to be weeping. 
we, we need to be crying out. If you want God to hear you, you need to get past all those Pharisee prayers of uh, God is good, God is great. Sure. You get it? And we need to go ahead and we need to go boldly into the throne room and we need to cry and weep to our God that will hear us in the time of trouble. Well, it's authenticity, right? Yes. And that's what, that's what helps to uh, foster the relationship, which yes. is ultimately what we want, right? It's rela- everything comes from relationship. Yes. Now, now, please understand, I don't feel like that I need to do this, but maybe I do, so that's why I'm going to say it. Just having tears <laughs> is not endemic. It's sure. it's the response to what's going on on the inside, like you yes. just said. My daughter, who's three, can turn on the waterworks, and it's because <laughs> her iPad has stopped working yes. in the moment, and she will cry, and she'll have tears, and you go, look at that sad thing. So it's not about just having tears. It's about so much reaching out for yeah. God that it causes a weeping or a response of that. Joel chapter 2 12 and 13 says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting, with weeping and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. That means don't go through the whole motions of it. Actually, let, let it be from inward. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, yes. slow to anger and of great kindness that repenteth him of the evil. We can't go through the motions of having church and just expecting God to not do what he needs to do. Again, I think we said in one of our podcasts in the last couple of weeks that if we do our part, God will surely do his part. Yes. Our part is that we need to weep and cry out for him. The second thing that uh, that's in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church is found in also in verse 24. It says, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Mm. The second thing we need is thirst. Anybody ever been thirsty? Absolutely. Yes, you have. <laughs> when you're thirsty, nothing can satisfy other than what is thirsted for. That's true. The world has shallow imitations of something. You're just like just like what soda and tea and sugar drinks tries to. Uh, imitate what water can do. It can't because really your body needs water. Yes. So hell and this cultural world, this evil culture will try to bring pale substitutions to what you are really seeking after. It's not a drug. It's not found in a bottle. What you need that's going to fill that hole in your heart is a thirsting for the water of the Spirit of God. Amen to that. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55 and 1, he said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. The woman at the well thought she was unworthy of the water that Jesus offered, but noticed her past nor her present didn't hinder the invitation that God gave her to drink. He already knew all of that. You know, before she even said a word. Yes, she said how. He knew all of that and went to her anyway. Right. And when and again, I don't want to go too deep into the context and the story of that, but he was talking about she says, Hey, do you in other words, and if I could paraphrase, hey, 
do you do you want anything to drink? And he said, no, but if you only knew who you were talking to. You only to, knew. <laughs> uh, you know, the water that you're offering, I'll, I'll thirst again, but the water that I offer you, you'll never thirst again. And then she talked about, what are you talking about? Yep. Uh, sir, you don't have a, even a bucket. <laughs> yeah, you don't know anything about me. Yeah. What are you talking? Right, yeah. exactly. That's, that's what he's saying. And so he began to tell her and read her uh, the whole list of her life. And uh, he told her, and then she said, never a man spake like unto this man did to me. So the only thing that hindered her, by the way, in that invitation was her response to his invitation. And so you got to want it. You got to want it. And opportunity, I mean, we've already talked about the sorrow of a missed opportunity. But friends, let's be honest. You got to thirst it. When you're thirsting, man, you... Don't you don't you go looking for that thing? You got to quench it because Absolutely. if you don't find, it doesn't matter if you drink soda and you're still thirsty. It's like, oh, I got to find water. Give me some cold, ice cold water. Yep. It will nag at you until you do it. That's right. Yeah. So, so in the church, we need to be thirsting yes. after the Holy Ghost. We need to be thirsting after the the water of the Spirit because when she responded, that woman at the well, her life was changed. I got to go on because I know we're, we're pushing up against time here. But verse 24, the third thing in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church is found in verse 24. He says, for I am tormented in this flame. So the third thing we need in our church is unquenchable fire. If there's ever been a time for fire in the church, it's right now. Amen to that. We need fire in our guts about evangelism a passion for winning the loss. We need a fire to seek the work of God accomplished. We need fire in our services. We need fire in our preaching. We need fire in our worship. We need fire in our walk, fire in our talk, fire in our anointing, fire in the spirit, fire down deep in our soul. And well, we, we need that. And that's where it goes back to not just playing church. Yes, sir. But Jesus was very clear how the lukewarm Christian would be received. That's exactly right. Spewed out. So you mm-hmm. need to be on fire, because yes. if you're not, then there's not going to be a place for you. That's right. Matthew 3 and 11 says, I indeed, I love this scripture, yeah. by the way. I indeed baptize you with water and repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He was talking about Jesus, oh, yeah. whose shoes I'm not worthy oh, to bear. Yeah. He shall baptize you with the Holy, Holy Ghost, Ghost and with fire. So I would submit to you that if you really have the Holy Ghost, you got to have some fire. Oh, yeah. John was telling him, I I can only get you to a place that can satisfy you in the moment, but when Jesus gets through with you, you're going to be full of fire. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what John the Baptist was trying to deliver to them, don't get satisfied with what you have now. That's right. Because there's something else for you if you seek him out. I love what Hebrews 12 and 29 says. For our God is a consuming fire. The writer of the passage, most commonly thought to be Paul, knew something about being consumed. Because when he became Paul, after he he was a a tip of the spear in the martyring of Christians in the apostolic church, when he had his Damascus moment, and when God converted him, when he went after he met the man Ananias, uh, and he was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, by the way. He was sold out to where he was 
where he went out on three missionary journeys. And there's one set of scriptures, and I, I, the, the text escapes me, but he talks about, he's like, thrice, or I was in the deep. Oh, yeah, talking about the whole list of things All he the had things endured. things that he did. And, shipwrecked and beatings, yes. uh, you know, lashed of the Jews, you know, 39 times All or whatever of, it was, yes. After the Terrible first thing, if they'd have whipped me one time, I'd have said, all right, you win, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But Paul took it, and he did it yes. several times, and he was shipwrecked, and he was he was, uh, he, he was was boiled in boiled. oil. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was all these different things, and he survived because why? He was consumed yeah. with something that consumed him. He, I, don't, I don't think Paul, even till his last words in the Bible that's recorded, he never got over being saved. Nope. He says, for I have fought a good fight. In other words, you're going to have to fight. But if you have fire, it'll get you past all this. Oh, yeah. He dedicated his cause for, the, for world evangelism. That's awesome. He risked his life and his limb. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Paul kept coming. He was consumed with fire. All right. Last one. The last thing in hell that should be in every Pentecostal church is found in verse 30. Bible says, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. So the fourth thing is repentance. Luke chapter 5, 31 and 32 says, And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Notice one of the last things in that initial text that the young ruler requests. He wanted his family to avoid hell through repentance. He realized it was too late for him, but he wanted to apply the warning to them and thereby to us who read this. He's asking us, you need to repent. There's only one real thing that you need to do to find salvation. Number one, all we're asked is to repent. And we said it already. What repentance is... Repentance is not only being sorry for your sin, but that you turn away turning and you're away. actively turning yes. away from that sin. That is the definition of repentance. You're going to fall down, you're going to sin, but that's the best thing. You've got to get back up. You've got to keep doing it. So that's what we're talking about with repentance. Yes. And so um, it's not too late for us. So if you, what you need, what you're searching for, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, and you're listening to us right now, I want you to know, if you will just repent and start the process of repentance, and you don't know where to go as far as a church or what truth is, or whatever, I promise you God will bring somebody in front of you. Yes. God will direct you. God, your, your only response to salvation, the process of salvation is repentance. It's the man of God that baptizes you in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And then it is God that will give you. His spirit. Oh, yeah, it's easy. You just got to repent. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. I got two scriptures and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, if you're real, God will forgive. But if you ain't, the sorrow of the world worketh death. So godly be. sorrow in, in context there, what does that mean? Godly sorrow is basically what it says is that you are sorrow for what you did and you're 
and you're talking to God and you're connected and you're like, my God, I, I want to be done. I don't want to do that thing any longer. So it goes back to authenticity. In authenticity relationship. Yeah. in relationship. Yes, absolutely. Second Peter 3 and 9, and I close with this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So again, gentle listener, I would just say to you, you need to repent. Saint of God, if you're listening, you just need to repent. Keep repentance active in your life, daily, morning, noon, the end of the day. Just approach God. God, forgive me of my thoughts. Forgive yeah. me my, my, my words. Forgive me of what I physically portrayed, what I looked at, what I said, what I heard. Whatever it is, don't let me be guilty of the word. That's repentance. Yeah, I mean, you're never so far that God still doesn't want to reach you. It doesn't matter what you've done, right. where you've been, what your life experience has been up to this point. We've all messed up. Right. You know, some more than others, but none of us are so far that that hand of mercy can't reach you right absolutely so uh, in closing on my end four things in hell that should be in every pentecostal church let me just give it to you one more time number one we need thirst we need weeping we need fire we need repentance and of course i scaled this down i took away all of the preaching elements and just taught it to us and brought it to us today but that message you can find that uh on many apps preaching apps today, Pentecostal preaching apps. Um, so I give this, this was just my little tribute yeah, to stuff. I, you know, uh, and, Reverend Robert Bayer. And I had not heard of him, so that that's good for me because I still have thirst. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I can't have you preach to me in my living room every day. So, right. I mean, I have opportunities to, to have, and I want, I want other voices, but I want the right voices. Absolutely. You know, I just don't want to scroll through Facebook and, and whatever comes up comes up because there's algorithms and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, having having truth, you can never have enough of that. Right. So I, I Robert Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R. And again, this was my little tribute to him. I couldn't be in his uh, funeral last week in San Antonio, uh, but I would have if I could have. Um, I just honor his legacy his and his family that, are, that survive him. And uh, he was a great man. And there are a lot of great men and women out there that over the years and decades have delivered the Word of God. And we should honor these legends that will wait for us on the other side. As long as we do what they taught us. Yes, amen. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. That's all the time that we have for this episode today. I pray this was a blessing for you and that you will join us as we continue to study God's Word. You can find this and all of our episodes at pohpodcast.com along with links to your favorite streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and enable notifications so you don't miss a single episode. If you have any questions or comments, please email them to pohcontent at gmail.com and we will respond as we are able. Thank you, Pastor, for leading us today and thank you all for listening.